The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star and I'm joined in studio today by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we get into things, just give our listeners a gentle reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube as well. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, our special guest on this week's podcast is Bantry kickboxer Tony Stevenson, who's heading to the European Games in Krakow in a couple of weeks, or is it this week? Uh, he's flying out next week. Flying out next week as a member of Team Ireland. Um, Tony is a world and European kickboxing champion already, but this is the first year the sport has been included in the European Games. So it's a huge deal for Tony, huge deal for the sport in general. Kieran caught up with him earlier and they spoke about the significance of the next few weeks, how kickboxing can improve your confidence and a whole lot more as well. It's a really interesting chat and one worth sticking around for later on. But first, Kieran, there's only one real place we can start this week, this week and that's with Cork's statement win against Mayo in the Gaelic Grounds on Sunday. I don't want to take all the credit, but I did say last week that we could be here talking about a big Cork win, that they were due a scalp of sorts, and they played really well in the first half, and that sec- start of the second half, you're like, oh, God, they're... they're, they're they look in a spot here. of water, yeah. And then they came back. Now, we'll talk about the draw in a while. They drew Ross Common in, at home in the preliminary quarterfinals, but what did you make of the game itself? Absolutely brilliant. This is the result that this Cork football team needed. The result that this Cork group needed. It's the first Division 1 scalp in a couple of years. You've got to go back to the Munster semi-final in 2020 during COVID times when Cork beat Kerry. And before that, I think you're going back, um, I saw Summers, it's 2012 since Cork last beat a Division 1 team before 2020. So you cannot underestimate the significance of this result for this group of, of Cork footballers. We had an interview with John Cleary in last week's Southern Star when he was talking about the the steps and the progress that this Cork team is making. And one of those steps, and we spoke about it last week, was beating a, a higher-ranked team, beating a Division One team. And Cork went out and they did that on Sunday. And it's it's not just that they that Cork beat Mayo, it's the manner in which they in which they achieved that result. Because at one stage in the second half, Cork were down by six points and they were staring at staring at defeat. And that wasn't wasn't unexpected in one sense because it's a highly fenced Mayo, Mayo team. They then won the Division 1 league title earlier in the year. They were backed to beat Cork. So to see Mayo six points up midway through that second half, for many, that's the way the game is going to go. But it showed the strength and resilience and character of this Cork side that they battled back. Kept Mayo scoreless for the rest of the game. Rattled off, was it 1-6 one, one six, one themselves to, to win this game by three points. And a, a special nod to Stephen Sherlock, the mm-hmm. super sub. He came off the bench to Bardsman to score 1-5. It's almost dangerous territory for him in one sense because... You don't want to be that super sub as in to come off it and rescue your team. But 
it's going to be an interesting conundrum for John Cleary and the management team now what do you do with Stephen Sherlock especially with the game coming up this, this weekend yeah there's like a lot of people have been asking for him to start and he's put himself in a good position to start now but on the flip side you point it and say if you can do that off the bench against Roscommon you're, you're staying on the bench and, and that's exactly it and Sherlock did the same against Kerry a couple of weeks before he came off the bench in the second half and he got a couple of good scores there so with Cork, like do they, they want to finish the game with, with a, a strong team as well? So, are you better holding Sherlock in reserve for the second half? Maybe that's the role that he has to play this year. So, it'll um, Cork fans will be looking with interest at the at the team news later in the week. But back to the significance of the win against Mayo, huge, huge for this group, and I, I, I'm, I'm delighted for them because they put in so much hard work. And over the last couple of years, it's been um, they've been at the. They've suffered some some heavy defeats and some big defeats. So for Cork to, to beat a big team like Mayo, get the result that they wanted, turn out another good performance, I think it's um, it bodes well for the future. And just on performance, this and we touched it during the league as well, Dylan. Cork are now putting together, they're knitting together performance after performance after performance. And it's a consistency that they're, they're striving to get. They're definitely not perfect at it. We saw that in the league. There were some days that they were below average some days that they just didn't perform but what we've had now they beat loud away they ran Kerry really really close and could possibly and maybe should have won that game and now they beat a very good Mayo team so that's re- three really strong performances in this group phase of the of the championship so that bodes well for the future that bodes well for the progression and development of this team but the season isn't over Yes, still more games to come, hopefully more than one as well. But I just want to talk about as well about the, the last period of the game, that period where Cork scored 1-6 to, to May was nothing. Because we've spoken a lot about how John Cleary has been trying to, to improve the fitness of the team. And it was very clear in the last 15, 20 minutes of that game that Cork actually had more staying power than Mayo. That's exactly it. And John Cleary again made that point in in last week's Southern Star and it's, it's, it's an interview you can read online so just head over to our website and you'll, you'll read John Cleary's thoughts on that when he was speaking about the fitness of this group and this Cork group is fitter than the group that, that, that Cork worked with last year because they got a good pre-season in there and Cleary feels that his team now are well able to last the 70 minutes so that means they can go toe-to-toe and stride for stride with the best teams in the country we saw it again in the Gaelic Grounds on Sunday Cork lasted the full game against Mayo. We saw it in Parky Cueve two weeks earlier. Cork went all the way with with with, uh, with Kerry, and again, that's another positive indicator for for what's to come. What Cleary wanted to see was Cork to be more clinical in the big moments of the big games, and that's what we saw on on Sunday. And I think that's that's what really pleased John Cleary that Cork took their chances in a big game with a lot at stake. And again, go back to Stephen Sherlock with his one five. But you'd Chris Oak Jones coming off the bench to get a point. You'd John O'Rourke from Carberry Rangers came off the bench to, to get a score as well. So you'd that contribution from the bench, which is what Cork wanted. And go back to the game against Kerry um, the week before, or the two weeks before, you'd Sherlock and Omex Sweeney coming off the, the bench. And I think both kicked two points that day. So that's another plus point for, for Cork. So a lot of positives going into the game against Roscommon this weekend. And it's a, it's a good draw for both counties. Uh, like the, the beauty now is that Cork have home advantage. And, and that, that's brilliant. And it, it shows the, I suppose, the permutations that were at play on Sunday, Dylan, where, um, where if Mayo scored at late, that late three, Aidan O'Shea had a chance. Mm. If he'd scored that, then Cork would have been away in, a, in the preliminary quarterfinal this weekend. But when, that, 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 when, that, um, when, that, when Aidan O'Shea's shot came up short, 
and Cork cleared the ball and get out of there and they, do you think do you think they knew do you think Mayo knew that they needed to score because it didn't it didn't seem it, it didn't it, seem yeah. it felt almost like they were trying to go, get a goal to, to level it up like you would think that in, in planning for a game like this that the players are a way of kind of permutations A, B, C, D, yeah. E that, that, it, that, it, that Mayo, the Mayo camp knew if we're losing we can't lose by X amount because such a such a thing will happen so it, it was it was a strange decision because whether he was going for a point or just to drop it in, I'm, I'm not too sure. But Cork won't care too much right no. now because it, uh, Cork came out smelling of roses, got the win that they wanted, got a three-point victory as well, which is enough of home advantage this weekend uh, against Roscommon. So it was a really good day at the office. But they'll have to park it almost straight away because the focus now is all about Roscommon and trying to, trying to build on this and... What we've seen the last couple of, of weeks, it's just, um, we've seen the potential of this Cork group and they're starting to, like I said, tread those back-to-back performances together and they need to go to the well again on, on Saturday. Maybe dig even deeper against Roscommon. They're a hell of a good side as well. So um, it's interesting and I think we're all looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we don't know what day that game is on yet, do we? Um, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, so... Quite soon, quite yeah. soon, I think um, the details of that are, are going to come out. So just check with any of our Southern Star social media. We'll have details of that match up there. And the most important thing is that it will be at home. I think if that point had gone in, be away to Galway instead. Yeah. Definitely at home. Definitely at home. You mentioned that both counties would be happy with the the draw. Yeah. Like Why will Cork be happy with a Roscommon draw? I think Cork will be happy first that it's a home draw and they're up against a Roscommon team that while it's, while it's a good Roscommon team they're not an unbeatable Roscommon team either we saw that from, from the weekend so even though Roscommon fans are probably thinking oh this is a good draw you know coming down to Cork and, and taking on, on the Rebels I think both camps will be quite happy because it's an opportunity for both to advance to the to the quarterfinals and the Cork team right now I'd say the lads just cannot wait for next weekend they'll be high in confidence they'll be springing their step this week and so there should be but the main thing is keep keep the feet grounded and build on what they achieved against Mayo. So both counties will fancy their chances, and that that should lead to a, a kind of a hopefully an open game. Um, I know they've met in the league a couple of times over the the last few years. The last time was the opening game of Division Two last year, and um, Roscommon got promoted in twenty twenty two. So there's a kind of a, a bit of a familiar familiarity to the to the sides as well. But the fact that it's on at home in Cork, I think that's just great great for us and what would be super now is to see the Cork support come out in numbers um, whether it's Saturday or Sunday and it's likely to be Saturday with the hurlers out of action the, the, the last couple of weeks there's no reason why we can't get a big Cork support to Parky Creeve this weekend to give these footballers the support that they deserve we saw it against Kerry a couple of weeks ago I think it was only just on 14,000 Parky Creeve that day but in the second half when the Cork fans got behind the team you could hear like the decibel levels, like really raised inside mm-hmm. the stadium, you could really, you could really hear. You could, and I think the players appreciated that too. So hopefully we'll get a good, a big Cork support this weekend. Yeah, I think the fact they're on a bit of a, a, a good run now as well. Like a lot of people who went to the Kerry game would have been impressed with the performance. Then they see a victory over Mayo as well. So it's all kind of a feel good factor is there at the moment. So hopefully people will turn out for that. Um. We'll obviously be speaking about that on next week's podcast, so please tune in next week. But we'll move on now to another issue that came up over the weekend. We were speaking on the podcast last week about dual players and fixture clashes. And 
at the weekend. Um, Libby Coppinger was one of the, the four dual players. She played for Camogie team at Parky Creeven in the morning, hopped in the car, went up to, to Galway and came on in the second half there as well. So give us an update on, on that whole situation. We spoke about it on last last week's podcast, Dylan, and it was a mess then, and it was still very messy over the weekend. So as last week progressed, it was decided to split up the, the dual players. So um, Libby Coventer and Aoife Healy were with the Camogie team, while Orla Cahillan and Hannah Looney were going with the footballers. But it turned out then that Orla Cahillan actually broke her foot in, in Cork Ladies football training last Thursday night. So she obviously could line up with the footballers and she'll be out of action for a good few weeks. So whether she'll see championship action again this summer for either camp, I'm not too sure, probably looks unlikely. So then uh, Libby Coventer and Aoife Healy played with the Cork Camogie team. That was, I think it was a 3 half 3 on Saturday afternoon at Parky Cueve. And it's a game that Cork won. They beat down to get their championship campaign back on track. But what we didn't know, what we learned kind of very soon after, was that Libby and Aoife hopped into a car driven by Libby's mom and they went straight up the, the road to um, the, the Pierce, Pierce Stadium up in Galway for the Cork and Galway ladies football game that threw in at half seven. And they only landed up, I think, around quarter to eight, ten to eight. So the game was actually on. It was mm. midway through the first half when the when the two players landed up. And it turns out then that Libby was actually brought on in the second half. I think the second half was only, what, 10, 15 minutes old when Libby was brought on. So it's in one sense, it's nuts. It really is nuts that Libby Coppinger plays the full game for the Cork and Morgan game on Saturday afternoon, has to get into a car, which... Can't be, it can't be good for the hamstrings oh, to get straight no. into the car and I think, sit down for I think it was, a couple yeah, hours. Two and a half, two and a half, two and three quarter hours in the car sitting down. Um, even though she did her warm down in Parky Cueve and, 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 and got changed and all that. Like you're still you're coming off the back of an inter-county game. You're sitting in the car for that length of time. You're driving up to Galway. Then you're, you're landing up while the game is on. Obviously she did a warm, a warm up there. But then to be brought on in the, in the second half of a senior inter-county championship game after playing a senior intercounty championship game earlier that day in a different code, like it's just it um it kind of highlights what Libby's about in terms of her her commitment and her bravery and her skill levels and her talent that she's that, that she's able to do that. But why or why is she in that position that she has to play the two games in the in, in the one day? It's just not fair on on the dual players and what the in game is here. I I I just don't know. I I, I really don't know what's what's going to happen because there's um. Another potential fixture fixture clash on July first with both Cork teams in championship action on the same day. So will we be talking about it again? Possibly so. It seems that the powers that be have no interest of note to, to sort this out, which um which puts the dual players in a in a very tricky position. But I don't think anyone can look at what Libby did on Saturday, playing two games in different provinces, in two different codes on the same day and say that's fair and that's right. No, absolutely not. Um in other news as well, some good, good, good West Cork sport news here. Sorry, great West Cork great sport. West Cork sport news. History was made last week by the West Cork Academy when they won their third, fourth place playoff at the Kennedy Cup. It's the highest finish a West Cork team has ever had in the prestigious competition up in UL, and it was a brilliant performance. Oh, it's superb! Like what a week this this young team had up in UL. So it started off on Monday went right through to Friday and to finish third out, out of, I think it was a 30 leagues or something like that. Um, incredible to think that the West Cork League was the, <coughs> excuse me, the, the third best in the country, but they more than held their own against 
the so-called or the, the best leagues and the bigger leagues right, right across Ireland. We touched into, I think, in last week's podcast that West Cork topped their group with three wins out of three. And that was the first time ever West Cork had achieved that. Went into the quarterfinal, won it on penalties, went into the semi-final on the Thursday. And they were so lucky to lose by a, an incredible, uh, I think it was 25 yard effort. I actually, I, I had the game on uh, it just in the background while I was working and it was a, a, a volley that looped over the goalkeeper from 25 or 30 yards. Like if there was a goal to beat them, it's that was the like, goal that was it, going to beat them. It was an incredible goal. Incredible goal. And that was Midlands that beat West Cork 1-0. But that sent West Cork then through to the third and fourth place playoff on Friday. And again, it went to penalties like the quarterfinal. But again, West Cork came out on top. And uh, young goalkeeper Dara Hurley was the hero with, with two penalty stops there. And so many heroes have emerged from from, from West Cork, this West Cork team. Tom Whaley, the, the young Arkfield striker, I think finished with six goals. Like that's, he'll never forget yeah. his, his 2023 Kennedy Cup campaign. And that's one of many heroes in this in this this West Cork team and each and every one of those squad members can be so so proud of the role that they played in this because this has really put the West Cork Academy on on on, on the map like they finished third in, on in the, the national push. map yeah. oh it's incredible like it's it's great for for soccer in West Cork and it's great for the school boys and school girls league it's important to note that because Emma Hurley from Dreena Rangers was on the the West Cork team as well so no congratulations to everyone involved we'll have a full page in this Thursday Southern Star. And we're going to do follow-ups in the week, weeks to come as well because we want to see what legacy this will create and how West Cork can, can build on what they achieved at the Kennedy Cup last week. So stick with the star for the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to note as well, we talk a lot in the podcast about people like we had Luke Mead on about who he's a, a role model for, for people and the fact that he can make it to the Cork uh, senior hurling team like opens the door for other people. But these uh, kids as well, should be looked at in the, in the same manner. Like future West Cork Academy teams can can go to the Kennedy Cup and say, if they can do it, why not us? That's exactly it, because we've seen it in West Cork sport over the last couple of years, and it really is a golden era for, for this this corner of, of, of the country. West Cork is a, is a class apart when it comes to sport and the variety of sport. We've seen it with the Roars, we've seen it with the rugby players. We've seen it obviously with GA West Cork as a GA stronghold. We've seen it with athletics with the like said Phil Healy, Darren McElhenney, Joan Healy, Nicola Tuttle. Like three of those four are in action at the European Games this week. And with soccer, with Conor Horan, just on a podcast a few weeks ago as well, what he achieved by becoming the first West Cork Premier League player, he showed what's possible. But you've also had a number of West Cork players play in the League of Ireland over the last couple of years, like from Denzel Fernandez, Ronan Hurley, and players of this ilk. But now, what schoolboys and schoolgirls level, they are seeing this under-14 West Cork team get to the, the business end of a national competition. So that's only going to whet their appetite. And it's, it's just great for the, for the schoolboys and schoolgirls league. And the hope is now that it's the, it's the start of more to come. You know, they've set a high, high bar now, a high standard. There's great work going on in the West Cork schoolboys and schoolgirls league. And the hope is that they can build on this. Yeah, long may it continue. Now we're going to take a very quick break, but when we come back, we'll be hearing from Bantry kickboxer Tony Stevenson. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. In just a moment, we're going to be hearing from Bantry kickboxer Tony Stevenson. But before we do, Kieran, 
Can you fill us in a little bit on what Tony is about and why the next few weeks are so important for him? So Tony is one of the, the best kickboxers that West Cork has produced over the last number of years. And we spoke earlier in the podcast about how strong the various sports have been in West Cork. But kickboxing too and West Cork are, are very synonymous because Ian Kingston, he's the man behind West Cork Kickboxing Club. He started up that club years and years ago. He's created a, a dynasty there, like an, an incredible club that churns out world and European champions some of the best kickboxers that Ireland have produced have come from West Cork and they've come through the, the doors of West Cork Kickboxing Club. One is Lily Delacour, an incredible kickboxer who has won everything there is to win in the sport of kickboxing. And um, coincidentally, she's on Bentry, just like Tony Stevenson is. And Tony is another who's come through West Cork Kickboxing Club to go on and achieve great things. So he's a two-time WACO world champion and a two-time WACO European champion. And WACO is, is, is the name of the, the, the governing body that they, um, that they compete under because in kickboxing, there's a number of different um, bodies, but WACO is the big one. It's the main one worldwide. So why this story now is so important is kickboxing is on a journey to become an Olympic sport, to mm. be officially recognised in the Olympics. And whether that comes in LA in 2028 or the next Games in 2032, we'll just have to wait and see. But part of this journey is that kickboxing is now part of the European Games. And for all Tony has achieved, like I said, world titles, European titles, he's won gold at various World Cups over the, the years. He sees this as the biggest event of his life because he gets to wear the Team Ireland uh, tracksuit and, and the short, with, which has the Olympic rings. He gets to represent Team Ireland on the international stage, and he's so, so proud of that. And he can't wait to fly out to Krakow next week when the kickboxing starts. So he's competing in his category, which is minus 79 kg. It's not the category that he won. Um, he's he's gold world medals in that was at 69 kg but because this is a new sport at the European Games there's only two men's categories in the light contact so he's had to go up in two, in two weights but he's he's taken that in his stride so he's one of eight kickboxers that will be um, competing for a medal and just in terms of his chances he won a silver medal at the European Game European Championship sorry um, last November in this category so that would you would think that it would put him in and around the middle conversation. You know, you can never be too confident in sport because sport is sport and it depends yeah. on the, the look of the draw as well. So he has a he has a chance going over there. Um, he's, his journey, it's been an incredible journey. And if people want to check out an old podcast we did with Tony from a couple of years ago when he won a world title back in 2019, it's well worth checking out because Tony's a, a great fella to chat to and a great fella for, um, for, to interview. And I, I think as well, it's important to point out a couple of key figures in his journey here. Obviously, his partner, Breed, has been huge support. And they're, they're, two, they're two young girls in Kingston. West Cork Kickboxing Club has been a huge mentor for him since um, since Tony was six years of age. And he started at the, at the club. But also, uh, I think it's important, Tony wants to thank two local um, politicians, Holly Cairns and Michael Collins, for helping him sort out passport his passport and and citizenship of over the over the last couple of months which kind of opened the door for him to represent team uh, team Ireland because Tony was actually born in Manchester years and years and years ago um even though he's been in Bentry Jesus for nearly all his life um so he needed a little bit of help a little bit of local help to to get him to where he is now so he's very much appreciative of all the role that various people have played in his story 
to, to get here. So as you'll hear from Tony right now, he cannot wait to get over to Krakow and represent Ireland at the European Games. Before we chat about the competition itself, Tony, can you explain to us the significance of having kickboxing in the European Games? It's huge. This is the first um, uh, Olympic event uh, that kickboxing will be part of. It's we're, We've been part of the Olympic family now for a number of years. Uh, not too many. Um, we're very new on the scene, but um, this is the first. So I'm part of the first team to ever wear the Olympic rings. Um, so this is this is huge for our sport. Like this is like massive. Um, this is a big, huge step. Like I suppose the next thing would be getting into the Youth Olympics, and then the next maybe even the the actual Olympics then as well. But this is uh this is a huge first step. I'm part of I'm one of the nine athletes that gets to go away represent Ireland in kickboxing for the first time and wear the wear the Olympic rings. So it's uh yeah, it's huge for our sport. The word you mentioned there, Olympics, and our our listeners. Will be obviously know what the Olympics is about. The Olympic Games, the biggest sports show in the world, every four years, and kickboxing is on a journey now to be part of that. Can you explain to us what's happening? Um, I spoke to the president there about five weeks ago. Um, he's Irish. He's he's the president of Kickboxing Ireland, and he's the president of um, uh, Wacko Kickboxing, which is the biggest organization in the world um, for uh, amateur kickboxing. Uh, it, we're 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 now recognized by the olympics we're hoping that we're going to be in the 2028 games um is that is it a strong chance i don't believe so i think it will come at a later date again so it'll be past when my career is done but it's looking like uh yeah we will one day be in the olympics um if we're if the earliest we could possibly be from what i've been told is uh 2028 that's incredible. The kickboxing is on that journey, and you're now part of the one of the, the major first steps for kickboxing. And you've been a world champion twice. You fought at, at world championship level, European championships, a lot of the, the WACO World Cup series. But to be part of the European Games in Krakow, where does that rank in terms of what, what you've achieved? This is the this is the furthest I've I've ever gone. Um so yeah, I've won world and European titles at my lighter weight back in, I think it was um, uh, this time last year. No, no, it was about a year and a half ago. They announced that we're going to be part of the European Games. Uh, they picked two weight classes for my discipline, and now I normally fight at the uh, minus sixty nine, which is um, welterweight, but they picked uh, minus seventy nine. So I went up. I chose. I I was pretty much done my career then up until then in terms of like wacko kickboxing. I had uh, like like you said, I won my world titles and my European titles. I'd gone as far as I could, and I was ready to hang up the gloves in that department and maybe try something different. Um, but then this came about, and I was excited. For ages, we didn't know what um we didn't know what weight classes they were picking. And I remember saying to Ian, if they pick this, I'm going to do this. If I'm this, I'm going to drop this weight. If I, they do this, I'm going to go to this. Um, and then they picked 79, which was weird. It was because um, most men fit into the 69, 74 kg bracket. So it was weird that they picked 79 and minus 63. So I was too light for minus 63. So I decided to jump up to um, uh, jump up to minus 79. So I've gone up two weight classes. So I went from 69 to then 74, then to 79. So uh, I this is the furthest I've been. This is the only reason I decided to do the qualifications. 
Like I wouldn't have done the Europeans back in November if there wasn't something else to attain, which is this, which is going to uh, an Olympic uh, level event. Like you said there, you've achieved everything there is to achieve in kickboxing, world titles, European titles, you name it, you've won it. But you feel this has re-energized you, the, kind of, the chance to do something different, the chance to be part of something special. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge honor. Um, like there's, there's so few, like there's only eight people selected in each division that are allowed to go to the games. So it was really important for me to qualify and and make sure I was in that top eight, which I was. I, I got second in November out in um in Turkey to qualify. Um, so yeah, it's 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 so, uh, yeah, it's it's a. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I have a good trainer behind me. Um, I'm very lucky for my family supporting me and I'm um, very lucky that I'm at this point in my career where I can see this in front of me, go for it and know that I have the skill to get to that level I want. You mentioned there, Tony, that you've jumped up in two weight classes because you had to, to compete at these European Games. How difficult is that to, to move two weight classes? Um, I think it's difficult. Like the... Like I've I've sparred with heavyweights before. Like when it comes to being in the gym and training, you would spar heavier guys and smaller guys and stuff, and there's variations there. But uh, it's always different than when you're actually at competition. Um, now most of the guys that I fought out in Turkey there in November, um, when they were hitting me, it like I I took up pretty well and I'd be pretty strong. Um, but there's only one guy who's really like, okay, wow, this is different. Because he came down, so most of the guys I was fighting at 79 were well-adjusted to minus 79 and were fighting at that weight a lot. But the, the the last guy I fought, he came down two weight categories above. So he came down from minus 89 to 79. And then he would have weighed in. And then five days later, he would have fought me. So he would have put a bit of weight back on. So he's naturally bigger and stronger. So that was the only time where I was like, okay, there's definitely a little bit more to this guy's punches than everyone else. Everyone else I felt like I could handle. And it's just years of experience has helped me. And I, again, like I've said before, I have a really good trainer, Ian Kingston. He just knows sport inside and out. He knows me inside and out. So for every fight we had, we had a plan going in there. And it was just about me executing that plan. Um, So like I was conscious about lads being heavier and maybe stronger moving up to that when um when I first decided to, to go for this but um as soon as I got settled into a few fights internationally and uh, even nationally um I was like you know what this, this isn't that bad they're, they're not um the shots aren't too bad I can take these these are these are fine and I'm definitely faster than a lot of these guys as well so I had that advantage too um so yeah the the adjustment wasn't too much maybe just my style and how I approach people. If they're a big guy and a strong, I have to move a little bit more. I have to fake a little bit more. I can't be a static target for anyone anymore. Um, so yeah, th those were the adjustments. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, the Europeans last November. You won a silver medal there. Is that almost a good barometer for what you're going to expect out in Krakow? Because like you said, there are just eight, eight fighters, eight, eight quality fighters here, but you, you got that silver medal not, not too long ago. So, does that put you in the middle conversation? Does that give you confidence going to Krakow? Does that raise your expectations heading out to Poland? Yeah, I definitely think I can get a medal. Definitely. Um, I want. I'm aiming for gold. I wouldn't aim. I wouldn't do this if I didn't think I could get gold. Um, yeah. The there's four. Like I, everyone who's in there, I have 
I pretty much have bought already bar one or two. Um, yeah, so it depends. It depends on my draw. I know the guy who I lost to in Turkey for the qualifiers. I know that he's at the other end of the draw, so I'm not going to meet him until the final. Um, so I'm kind of more concentrating now on everyone else because you know before I can get there, I've got to I've got to get through these guys. There's one or two that I haven't fought. One of them's really good. Um, but me and Ian have a plan pretty much for everyone. Um, and um, same with the national coach there. We have we have plans set in place and tactics uh, to work. But I'm pretty confident fighting uh, anyone who's in the division. I wouldn't be afraid or backing down. It's just like the way my mentality is now is, um, you know, uh, a fight's a fight. You know, nothing's good or bad. It, it Whatever it is, it's just my value judgment on it in the moment. I have to see what's in front of me work with the tactics I'm given um, and make the best decisions. And, you know, like it's more like when I go to fight, it's more like about creating opportunities to score. That's where I, I take myself to a logical place when it comes to fighting. Um, and I try and keep the emotions out and think, okay, each round is its own fight. So, you know, I take one round at a time. I don't look at this fighter and then I have to fight this guy next and then I have to fight this guy. I'm thinking my first round and my first fight out there and that's it for now. You mentioned one man there a couple of times in this conversation so far. Ian, Kickston, Ian Kingston is so heavily involved in West Cork Kickboxing Club. That, that's his baby. He's grown that club to become the, the world championship, European championship medal winning machine that it is. Talk to me about Ian, Tony, and how important he has been in your career. Huge. He's um, by far the most influential factor in my career. Um, I have a lot to owe Ian and be thankful for um he's trained me since i was six years old um he's gotten me to love a sport that maybe i didn't think i could when i was younger i i went in i went into kickboxing because um i wanted to get a bit more confidence my parents wanted me to learn a bit of self-defense and get more confidence and it was only years later when i showed like an aptitude and interest in sparring that he encouraged it and from the environment he creates in the club it really brought on people like myself like lily other uh champions in the club uh, to to excel so like I have a lot to be thankful and grateful for Green he's an amazing trainer um, he's an amazing role model like he was a, he is still a role model for, for me um, just all around he's just a brilliant person brilliant coach um, and I'm just very lucky to have someone uh, as, as a kind of person that Ian is and as knowledgeable as he is in my corner uh, when I need him most which is uh, like these are like these kind of fights these events so it's it's good it's good like I know some guys chop and change trainers and over the years they learn different things it's really good like it's a real good advantage to have someone who is in your corner who's known you since you were a little kid they know how you operate they know how you take and Ian knows me inside and out and um you know when he says something to me to on command to fight if he sees something he knows exactly that I'm gonna listen take it on board use it um there's no miscommunication like we we work really well as a team just from years of working together that trust that that you have in ian and obviously that ian has a new like you've developed that over years like you said since you were, you were what six years of age ian has been coaching you like that trust must be key to this as well yeah no it is we um he supported me in everything i did i remember uh, I remember when I had bad days in training when I was a kid, he would sit down and talk to me and he would go through, like he wasn't just someone who taught me how to kick and punch. He was, uh, and he is, he's not just that even now. He's like, if I come to him with like, oh Ian, like I'm teaching this class and I'm having problems with this one kid or this one parent, 
I ask Ian and he's really good for advice and he's really good at like being logical, being direct. There's no like um what you see is what you get with him and it's direct and it's it's it's, it's a brilliant way to work with someone because my job is to teach kickboxing classes and that's what Ian does. So I have that older mentor there to ask and to um to use as guidance for me so that I can bring on my students as well. Um yeah, um, just throughout my life, he's helped me outside of kickboxing as well. It's not just been about fighting. It's not just a relationship where we just, it's all about training and in the gym. Like, I'll go to him about advice about parenting or about my new house I'm trying to get for myself and my family or anything. And he's he's really good good for that. So he's a, he's a very approachable person. He's a person that I can really um, confide in and trust him. Yeah, you, you can only get that from someone who's very open and, and forthright. Yourself and Ian, you share an incredible passage for the sport. It's obvious that you love the sport. You put so much in the kickboxing. Bigger picture for a second, Tony. What can this do for the sport? Let's say locally, you're the only Cork kickboxer on the Ireland team going to Krakow. You're the only Munster kickboxer on, on the team. So in terms of vis visibility, your students can see what you're achieving, how high you're going that's great for them to see someone I know, Tony, who's gone to the European Games. Is the hope that this will shine a light in kickboxing, let's say locally in West Cork, and encourage more kids to, to, to try the sport and join the club and just, just see how great the sport is? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good sport. Um, it's a, one, it's an individual sport, so what you put into it, you get out of it. Um, even if you're not the best in the soccer team or the best on the basketball team, you're not the best kickboxer, it doesn't mean you sit out on the bench, so there's no bench. Uh, everyone takes part, and we have uh, for like a little kid growing up, you know, um, they get the they get like learn really good, valuable life skills. I know when people think about kickboxing, they think about fighting, punching, kicking, sport, you know, it, it teaches you self defense, it teaches you discipline, um, focus, commitment, coordination, balance, flexibility. Um, these things really then translate to other sports and other areas of your life that you then can apply to make you a better person um and like when you go through those places where things are like it's one thing to lose a basketball match or a football match but when you're in front of someone who is punching and kicking you in a competition you do develop this toughness um you do develop this okay all right this person is like there's no ball there's no you know, I, I someone's hitting me, I have to respond, I have to fight back, you know. It really teaches you to become a, a tougher person uh, all around. And, you know, I know that if I have 100 kids, maybe one of them might go on to do competition, but the rest for them, the martial arts journey is important that they that they um, they learn those important values, like trying to be, become the toughest person you are on your, um, the strongest person you are on your toughest day. And that's the way I approach martial arts is my, for, for, for one, kick, what kickboxing has done for me uh, is given me um, fitness. It's given me a chance to compete for my country. It's given me uh, confidence and an inner strength. It's given me a uh, financial opportunity. Um, like, and, and as well, like my, my mom passed away a few years ago and I always thought like my mentality would always be tested from, um, you know, in competition, like against the better opponent, again in the moment of the world championship final. And no, like the the hardest day of my life was when I had to say goodbye to my mom, and I was able to stand up straight, pull my shoulders back, help out with the family, get the day done, 
um, you know, and I was my strongest version, my strongest self on my toughest day. And I look back on all that kickboxing had taught me and that really did then make sense to me. Okay, all those years of pushing myself, going out my comfort zone, talking with Ian, uh, reassessing what do I want and like how do I achieve my goals? Um, how do I fight through the bad days of training? They all helped me deal with that. And so uh, kickboxing is not just learning how to punch and kick. It's, it's really way more than that. And uh, that's what martial arts brings to young people. And it gives them structure. It gives them the discipline. And it definitely helped me in those areas of life. And um, I'm just so grateful I had the opportunity to, 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 to be part of that. And for our listeners to the podcast now, Tony, to, to learn more about the sport, can, can you break down what a fight entails in terms of rounds, minutes, the scoring, how it actually works? Yeah, so um, we do, uh, so out in the European Games, all fights will be three two-minute rounds. Um, they are, you, you get points for scoring punches to the head and to the body. You get extra points for kicking to the head or jumping kicks to the body or jumping kicks to the head. So one point for a punch to the head, punch to the body, one point for a kick to the body, two points for a kick to the head, uh, three points for a jumping kick to the body, and then I think it's like five points for jump spinning kicks to the head. Um, we have, although it's hard contact, we have referees and judges who score, um, and there's medics and, and, and um, uh, you know, referees are out there to, to look out for the safety of the fighters. So... It's more about scoring points than like knocking out. Although knockouts do occur, it's part and parcel of the sport. Um, most fights is about scoring. So it's, it's, the skill is distance, timing, and control. So distances, knowing how close you are to your opponent to get your scores, the type of scores, the type of kicks. And then the timing will be like you could have the fastest jab or the hardest kick in the world. It's no good to you unless you have the timing or know how when to throw it. And then the control is how you manipulate the fight, how you manipulate um, the, the the flow of the fight by your fakes, by uh, how well you use the ring. Um, these are all things that add up to um, you winning. So they, they definitely would help you in scoring um, the most scores. So yeah, at the end of it, and at the end of the, the three rounds, it's whoever has the most scores accumulated wins the fight. Brilliant. Um, and finally, I can see how much pride you're, you're wearing that that short with and that it's incredible to have that that Team Ireland um gear not only for the week coming up in the championships but for even after. But for you, Tony, to to be part of a Team Ireland, the likes of Phil Healy from Bellanine, who's gone to the Olympics, there's some huge names in Irish sport going to compete in so many sports in um at these European Games. So for you to be part of this team, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's just um I'm just very um, I'm just very proud. I'm uh, I'm just huge, huge, very, very grateful for being here. It's great to meet. Uh, it'll be great to meet other athletes and and um, uh, and talk to them and talk to find out their experiences and what it's like for them and you know what strategies they have when they approach their competition day. Um, yeah, I just, just one very proud to be one of the first few to wear the rings um, in my sport. Um, and two, I'm just I'll be it'd be really cool just to go out and meet the other athletes as well, and the other Irish athletes, and talk to them, and just just listen to them, and 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 just find similarities and differences in their training and their competition and their mental prep. Yeah, I think it'd just be really cool. By far, this is the 
one of the most proudest things I've ever done in my sport. Like this is the most proudest moment in my sport for sure. Oh, fantastic. Um, the very best to look over. We'll all be rooting for you, Tony. Thank you very much. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. And welcome back again to the Star Sport Podcast. And it's our favorite time of the week where we look ahead to what's on in this week's Southern Star Sport. Kieran, what are people in for? So huge weekend of GA coming up, like we saw earlier. So we have a preview, obviously, of Cork Roscommon. We also have on the, the dual dilemma, I caught up with Rena Buckley, the, the legendary Cork dual star. She won 18 All-Ireland medals, 11 in football, 7 in camogie. I just caught up with Rena to get her thoughts on on what's happening at the moment with this, this dual debacle still going on to, to see what she thinks. So that's well worth checking out and obviously we reports and reaction from the various inter-county games last weekend bringing it closer to home in the confined county junior b football championship we have a west cork derby to look forward to plunkett's are taking on goalene in a couple of weeks and our feature county championship match this week was plunkett's big win against garnish so it was carberry against Beira. plunkett's came out on top so plunkett's fans pick up thursday southern star we also have a comprehensive county league Roundup where there was a lot of movers and shakers for West Cork clubs. So quick synopsis: Clonakilty missed out on promotion to Division One of the County Football League, and Newcastle just pipped them on scoring difference. Scoring difference. But both of them almost fell over the line. So Carrigaline, who the table toppers, beat Newcastle on Sunday, so they guaranteed their promotion. So that left Newcastle kind of hanging on because Clannacilty were playing later in the day against Clyde. So Clannacilty knew if they beat Clyde that they did get promoted. But Clannacilty couldn't get the job done. They were behind by four points at half time. They came back and led by a point in the second half, but they ended up drawing with Clyde. So it left both Newcastle and Clannacilty on the same amount of points. And since they drew the league earlier, it came down to scoring difference and Newcastle just squeezed through. So fine. Skin at their teeth. Fine margins there. Um, so good news for Newcastle going up but bad news in Division 3 Island Rovers have been relegated after they lost to Rock Chadwell so we've all that in Thursday Star we also have an interview with Saskia Witcherly she was presented with a West Cork Sports Star Youth Quarterly Award recently so Saskia is the younger sister to Munster Stars Josh and Fanine and she's another huge rugby talent and she's just started training with the Munster Senior Women's Rugby Team as well so it's, it's, it's an interview worth checking out we've other loads of bits and pieces in there including the Drina Rangers management dream team of Don Hurley and Declan DC are stepping aside as the song goes they've seen it all they've won it all um, together I think they've guided Drina to 11 Premier Division uh, titles four Beamish Cups and a load of other trophies as well so they've decided that the time is right to step aside so we have news of that and a lot lot more as well it's it's a packed southern star yeah hopefully for drina it's not a man united situation with the with david with the david boys coming yeah, in yeah well but, uh, it was actually interesting to see when the, the news came out on social media i think it was friday that clan kitty soccer club very tongue-in-cheek they commented thank god enjoy <laughs> retirement so i think a lot of west cork league teams out there will be hoping that this will signal the, the beginning of the end of drina's domination but I think Drina will be eager to to keep hold of their vice like grip of the West Cork League. So interesting, an interesting season to look forward to next year already. Yes, only time will tell. In this week's Southern Star as well, we also have outside of sport a 
Things to See and Do Guide for West Cork in 2023. It's our popular supplement. Every year there's over 150 things to see and do, including a what's on guide for all the areas in West Cork as well. So that's well worth picking up. It's free inside this week's edition. And we're also revealing the 10 finalists for West Cork's cutest pets. So there'll be a public vote on that starting on Thursday when the finalists are revealed. So get your votes in when that does open up. All of that will be available in shops across West Cork from Thursday morning. And as always, if you're further afield or you can't make it to the shops, you can subscribe to the Southern Star and get it on your laptop, tablet or phone. Just go to subscribe.southernstar.ie, enter your details and you get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than two euro per week. As always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you've enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again next week.